on this episode of PL and PJ's Villa Vying for Europe and Safety Secure. to the Premier League podcast with the coziest dress code. The dress code is jammies and spreading like <laughs> wildfire. Or, or what's that? Oh, I can't. I'm blanking on the name of the thing in Game of Thrones. Wildfire. Is it wildfire? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yep. Yep. That <laughs> no, makes you me said feel it. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason, I thought that I had, like, for some reason, I thought I said a real thing, which I guess a wildfire is a real thing. But yeah, I the John thinking, Mayer song. Yeah. Yeah. Different? Different. <laughs> I was I was thinking neon, oh. yeah, which I recently listened to the actual lyrics dun, of, dun, dun, and uh, dun, it's dun, a lot dun. more kind of messed up than I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, not one of my favorites. Really? Yeah, I'm a big John Mayer guy. Oh, I know that. Saw my ball arena. Fantastic. Yeah. Great solo tour. But no, neon, I think, is a little overrated. Mm. Some good cu- guitar picking, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not soccer related. No, no. In fact, I was trying to think of a segue using Aston Villa, but I couldn't think of anything. Because I was going to say, like, not overrated. But... Uh, I was going to say uh, some good guitar picking. Just like Unai Emery had some good squad picking. Squad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, he's picking a good group of players to Absolutely. get results. Jake, they are in flying form and they are flying up the table. Yeah. Um, they currently sit in sixth place at time of recording with 50 points with 31 games played, which, uh, if you looked eight matches ago, Brent, did not seem anywhere no. in the realm of possible. No, but then in their last eight, they have won seven, drawn one, and lost none. That is a pretty unbelievable record for a team who, it's, I, I had put it on the outline, kind of easy to forget that they were so poor under Gerrard to start the season. Like, it seems like that was a lifetime ago. Now they are just, I don't even, I don't even know what happened to them. I don't know what Unai Emery did to them. I understand, like, he probably changed some tactics, probably changed some players in the lineup. I get that. But outside of that, I have no idea what he did. Yeah, ever since he took over, um, if you traveled to watch a game at Villa Park and you were a, a Villa fan, you were going to have a good evening um, watching some football. Was that a Patrick Starr impression? <laughs> no. <it wasn't. laughs> Weird. <laughs> Did you think it was a Patrick It sounded spot on. But uh, anyway, Jake, I just, um, I don't know. I, I didn't see this coming from Villa this season. Um, I, I will certainly say that they look a lot better than they did to start the season, not just in terms of like managerial tactics, players, but just in terms of team confidence, which, sure. again, we always talk about the new manager bounce. The new manager bounces seem to continue an entire season, which makes me think it's not necessarily a bounce. It's just the new manager being better than the old one. Sorry, Stevie G. Maybe they're just made of rubber. I'm they're rubber. Gonna, <laughs> you're glue. You're glue. Whatever you say bounces off me and sticks to you. Wow. What a time. Does that apply to Aston Villa? I um, guess. Make it make sense. Okay, so they're the rubber. The okay. opposition is the glue. All right. Whenever they score on them, they right. on on Villa, they yep. bounce back okay. and score on the other team. Okay. I sometimes think, I was thinking even, more like a counterattack, you know. Sure, but sometimes because sometimes they don't need the other team to score to score. Oh, themselves. They That's don't need scores. the other team to score to score. Yeah. 
Gotcha. Just like how um, Newcastle lost us our bet by not scoring Correct. this past weekend against Aston Villa when they lost three to zero to Aston Villa. Yeah, Crazy. it's whoever put that bet together. I mean, <laughs> they had no idea what they were talking about. He has about. no idea. I yeah. mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to say he. Like, it's it was who. not to name names, but Jake, how did Unai Emery write the ship so quickly? I think he just took the pieces that were there at Villa and put them in the right order. As you know, vague as it sounds. I think they had decent players. It's sure. not like they came in January and just like started flashing some cash right? and uh, brought in a bunch of new players. They had these players to begin with, and they just weren't doing the trick under Stevie G, unfortunately. And we talked a lot about how he was on the hot seat and then eventually got fired because he wasn't getting the results from a team that on paper should have been getting those results. And Emery came in and just, you know, had the magic recipe. Sure. And, uh, you know, they're cooking. And, Jake, I think, nice, by the way. Um, <laughs> I think it's also kind of something that we had talked about before the World Cup break, which is teams without tons of players going to the World Cup, sure. possibly having an opportunity with new managers to reset, to learn new tactics, new systems for the players to get confidence, and then come back post break in some better form. And it seems like Villa are one of those teams that had that kind of resurgence after the World Cup where things weren't going well to start. You know, you sack a manager, you bring a new one in, and, you know, it's kind of hard to change managers midseason anyway when you got new tactics yeah. to implement. And so Unai Emery, you know, has a couple of weeks to, to change the system, to change things up, and then all of a sudden, bam, they're back. And they're playing a lot better than they were before the break. And now it's seeming like they might even get into a European spot, Jake. And I don't know how practical that is. You have Brighton at 49 points in 29 matches played, and you have Liverpool at 47 matches. I'm sorry, 47 points with 30 matches played. So Villa do have two more matches played than Brighton, one more than Liverpool, um, with only one and three more points respectively. But I don't know. It seems like with the rest of their season schedule, with the form that they're in, it's kind of hard to see them not finishing in a, I guess now is it what, top seven? Top eight? Yeah, seven. Seven, seven is the uh, conference, conference league, league. And then six and five are, are Europa. Europa, different yeah. stages. Six has to like, play in the sure. pre-tournament yeah. thing. Yeah, and so I, I think, you know, possibly the very, fa- very last match of the season could be a big one for that European race, Jake. Well, yeah, Brent, if you, if you break it down, there are, you know... Break it down. <laughs> <laughs> there are four teams, really, um, vying for five, six, seven, eight, uh, with Tottenham, Aston Villa, Brighton, and Liverpool. Sure. And we didn't mention... <laughs> Brentford? <laughs> <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't mention Tottenham um, in that rundown, who only sit on 53 points yeah. and are in terrible form. Um, but you look at Aston Villa's run-in... They finish with Spurs, Liverpool, Brighton. The three teams that are challenging for the three final European spots. And I, I think in the form that they're in, and with those fresh legs that you mentioned after the World Cup, um, while other teams are kind of just trying to get by to the end of the season, sure. they kind of have the energy to see it through. I don't think it's unrealistic. Yeah, and especially when you look at their run beforehand, it's not the easiest, but it's also not the hardest. They play away at Brentford. They play home to Fulham, which is much better than going to Craven Cottage at this point in the season. They play away to United, who, while they are 
still playing fine. They are very depleted numbers-wise and sure. injury-wise. They may have some players back by then. Right. But, and also, there's a huge, apparently, Glazers out protest planned for that day, allegedly by United fans now that the Glazers want to stay. So that could also have some turmoil around it for that United game. So I think that's one to watch as a possible upset for Villa and then Wolves away as their, their other match before that run of three. So I think very attainable points. I, th- I think... I think if they don't get up to 60 points by the Liverpool game, it would be very tough for them to secure a Europa League spot, but not impossible. Yeah, definitely. And um, it's not an easy run. I don't think, all things considered, if you look at everyone else's uh, last seven or eight games, it's compared to the, the mean, it's definitely harder. I'm more of a mode guy. (laughs) Than the average uh, run in here. But it's the definition of in your own hands. Sure. If you get the results in the last three matches, you're going to be playing Europe. And, you know, Aston Villa, a pretty historic club, mm-hmm. have not been playing in Europe for right. quite some Champions time. Champions League winner. Yeah. I believe. Or cu- European Cup winner. Sure. Cup Wh- whatever winner, it was yeah. back when Aston Villa was actually yeah. and a, a good forest. team. <laughs> and Forest. Yeah. Champions of Europe, Brent. Yeah. You'll never sing that um, as a Brentford supporter, obviously. I thought you just meant me personally, which would also be true. You haven't been champions of Europe? Not to my knowledge. Well, in career mode, plenty of times in real life, probably not that often. Can't confirm. Okay. Probably not that often. Wow, you're really slacking. Um, I'm sorry. I expected more from my co-host. I've had like six European championships. Yeah. I don't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) But Jake, to your point though, Villa are, I mean, I, I think for the first time in recent memory, vying for European places in the top half of the table. Um, and, and it is good to see that since they've moved on from the days of Brad Guzan, um, that they have found some new life. Although they still have Ashley Young, so maybe not new life. <laughs> but he's, he, and he's still playing, too. Yeah. Which he was, I don't know if you've ever seen like highlights of Ashley Young back in the day, but he was amazing at Villa. I was going to say, he you're talking so, about pre-United? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, he was so good. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is that Villa... To your point, control their own destiny. And I really think that that last match against Brighton has the potential to be a huge match on you know at the end of the season, like one of the bigger games on the day. Yeah, assuming uh, Spurs or Liverpool don't just completely tank the rest of the season, which is still possible, especially for Spurs, um, I do think that that last match is going to be for uh, that Conference League spot. Yeah. Um, which, you know... For either team is great. I would say, yeah. as, as a neutral fan, I probably want to see Brighton there, you know? Yeah. Just because, you know, Aston Villa does have that history. Brighton don't. Right. They haven't been this high in the, in the first division, I don't think, ever. Yeah. So I think it would be awesome for their fans on the South Coast to see some European football. And we should be rooting for them because they are sponsored by American Express. And right, and we're Americans. than the American Express Platinum card. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is not a plug. They don't sponsor <laughs> us. I also don't have an American Express I was going to say, I don't have American Express either yeah. because it's like one of those credit cards where it's like, we, we accept American Express here. Like right. You have to like see that because right. some places don't, and it's just kind of random. Which is really frustrating. Um, which you don't want from your credit card provider. You know? No, no, you certainly don't, Jake. And uh, what, what you want is reliability and sure. you know, being able to stay as you are and remain. Is this an ad? <laughs> <laughs> Much like Wolves and Palace want to stay as they are. Do they just open up new credit cards? And remain in the Premier League. 
Oh, going into next season, Brent. I see where you're going. It with was a that. transition the whole oh, time. Wow. Wow. Newsflash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jake, you're right. Wolves and Pals both picked up big 2 0 wins at the weekend. Wolves beat, unfortunately, the Brentford Bees 2 0. And the Eagles beat Southampton 2 0. Or I guess, is it the Super Eagles? No, that's Nigeria. <laughs> that's what I thought. Okay, so it's the Eagles. I was right. <laughs> That would be kind of We've cool. We've gone through this before. Yeah, no, we have. We have. Anyway, Jake, the point of the segment is do those two victories nearly all but secure a Premier League stay for those two teams next season? Yeah, um, I think, you know, if you look at the table now, I think they have a comfortable cushion sitting at 36 and 34 points um, with the... 18th spot being at 27 points. Mm-hmm. Just if you look at the points per game sure. for those lower teams and you know extrapolate to the end of the season, I, I don't see it being close. I, I don't think that Wolves or Palace can be considered in a relegation fight anymore, which you know two weeks ago, they were only four points out. Right, no, it was not safe. So uh, I think this is great news for them, and um, especially Wolves, Yeah, which I know... Palace, we talked about because they fired their manager and brought back Roy Hodgson. But Wolves were like bottom of the table right. going into the, into the World Cup, I think. I think you're right. Which yeah. is insane. Which is nuts because they've, I mean, I know that they're relatively new to the Premier League. They haven't had a ton of success in the Premier League. But over the last few seasons, they've been a mainstay and oftentimes like a mid-table contender. Well, I guess they're technically like the Portuguese B and C squad. They've kind of moved away from that a little <laughs> bit. But... In general, maybe, maybe that's why they're not doing as well this year. Too many players so many that players, are yeah. Portuguese. But no, Jake, it's um, it's a huge victory for Wolves. I, I had more confidence in Palace to stay up, um, especially with Hodgson, which sure. you know he seems to be turning things around. Which you know why should be be surprised? It's what he does with them. But Wolves needed this. Yeah, um, I think before like when they were sitting in twentieth, going into that international break for the World Cup. I kind of got the vibe that they were like Sheffield United, where they were promoted, had a good season. I know Sheffield only had one good season, right. but had a couple. And Wolves good seasons, had yeah. has had two or three now. Might be more than that. They've been in the Premier League for a while. Yeah, now. maybe it's been three or four. Yeah, it's three or four. Um, but then you know they just see it kind of all just go away, and Sheffield sure. were dead last for sure. the entire season. Um, but no, that they, they turned it around since January. And Roy Hodgson, you know, we talked about Crystal Palace. And when they made that managerial change, they were going to go into a somewhat easy, on paper, um, Mm -hmm. run of games. And we predicted that they were going to do well under Hodgson, plus coming off of their toughest run, going into an easy run. And they did. Um, I mean, highlighted by 5-1 victory at Elland Road. Um, But no, they're they're safe. And Hodgson, you know, we'll see how long he stays. If it's just an end-of-the-season thing or maybe it continues. Yeah, it's crazy. It seems like Jesse Marsh was the problem at Leeds. That's, that's so crazy. Back-to-back 5-1 and 6-1 losses at home. That's crazy. Anyway. It was Jesse Marsh, dude. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Jake, I think I think Wolves needed the victory a lot more than Palace did. I think Palace are in a much more positive position. They've had a better season overall. They weren't playing poorly. They just had bad results uh, with Vieira at the end of his reign. And like, like you said, it was a tough run in whereas now they're in an easier schedule they should have been beating Southampton given current season form so so to see them win 2-0 is not that surprising I think it's more surprising to see Wolves beat Brentford 2-0 a Bees team who has been great 
all season. And Diego Costa came alive for the first time this season. Uh, I know that when they brought him in, they were hoping that he'd kind of provide a spark. That has not really worked out up to date. But now he's got his first goal. He's off the mark. It was a completely lucky goal. I don't know if you saw <laughs> I it. I didn't. Um, essentially what happened is he controlled it. A Brentford play, like, and he went to go shoot it. Brentford player touches it. And the way that he touched it, like, just basically moved it, like, into a perfect into ball his for his yeah. foot. Uh, and it went into the bottom corner. It was a fantastic finish, but an unintentional finish. So striker's finish. Yes. So <laughs> the point just being that if he's back getting those kinds of goals, Wolves definitely have a chance. And I think, I think that they needed that for their chances to stay up. I think they still could be in danger should they tank towards the end of the season and you see another team step up in performances. But right now it seems like the two teams are both – Safe, in my opinion. Yeah, heading into that home stretch, uh, a lot of it has to do with that momentum. And uh, if Palace didn't get those back-to-back wins, if Wolves, I think they got back-to-back win- wins because they beat Chelsea as well. Yeah. Um, if you don't have those results and, you know, the ball falls a different way and you get a draw in one or both of those sure. fixtures, I think maybe you can, you know, flatline a little bit and see yourself back in the relegation fight. But nope, they both got those back-to-back three-pointers. And uh, they're, they're clear of the relegation zone, and I think it's going to stay that way for the rest of the season. Um, just a quick note on my prediction about Roy Hodgson yeah, yeah. favoring a striker. Um, he has started Eduard all three matches that he's been in charge, even though Mateta came off the bench to score a winner, and I believe his first match that he was mm-hmm. in charge of. So uh, I don't know if we'll see that going forward, but I, I did think he was going to choose a striker and favor him for the remainder of the season. So I do I do expect Eduard to start probably seven of the remaining yeah. matches if they have more than seven. Right. Now they, they Jake, currently have played 31, so they have seven matches. Okay, so six. I'm going to say he's going to start six. Edu- six of seven. And Mateta will start one. Okay. Wow, that's a bold prediction considering Mateta is the one that came off the bench to score, while as Edward has only scored one in his three starts, I think, since Hodgson took over. Yeah, he, he likes to keep the lineups the same, I found. Which is probably smart when you sure. take over a team that's struggling. I, I will say I think I was wrong about him bringing in that, those veterans in midfield. I don't, I don't think um, we've seen any substantial yeah. amount of playing time for uh, Milivojevic and uh, Will sure. Hughes. No, that's fair. But, um, you know, you, you, you get what you can, you know. I get it. Jake, I was just looking at the relegation kind of fight yeah. just on my phone, and it reminded me I have a side topic. It's not an official topic sure. to ask you about, which is FIFA just released their you know Team of the Season nominees oh for the Premier League. Oh, my gosh. How in the world did James Madison end up in the Team of the Season nominees list? I, I didn't think that's what your problem was going to be. Well, what do you think my problem was going to be? Uh, that two Tottenham Hotspur center midfielders oh, sure. made it in zero Arsenal center midfielders. Yeah, no, yeah. that's shocking. Also, David De Gea is leading the Premier League in the Golden Glove and isn't on the nominee list. Saw that as well. Which is pretty crazy. Ivan Tony isn't on the I list. Know. What in the world happened with that? It feels like they got it all. They're like, Kai Havertz is on the list. I wonder who makes it. Is it FIFA or is I it voted? I think it's EA. The, the the team of the season is voted. voted. The, nominees the nominees are decided really? by EA, which I don't know if there's like some advertising rights or something like like between like teams that like collaborate with sure EA to make their choices. But I just wanted to get your opinion on it because I was just I saw Lester down there and thought how 
is James Madison. Also, a notable snub, Bruno Fernandez, considering James Madison. Absolutely. Is on the list, didn't and, I mean, I guess you have to have some variety in there and have to have more right, you can't just, defensive yeah. midfielders. And I had no problem with Rodrigo Bentancur being on there because sure. he was playing phenomenal before his injury. Even Yeah. But Pierre-Emile Hoybier being on there ahead of Xhaka and Thomas Partey? That's what it, yeah. <laughs> I, I was shocked by Xhaka. Shocked? Xhaka? Nice. Kepa Arizabalaga is on the list. He's actually done very well since he's come in, but yeah. He has, but st- he's played half a season. And the, the amount of Chelsea players for them being an 11th in like, right. the worst it's form ever. shocking. Yeah. I'm fine with like players like Sven Botman. I'm really oh, happy. absolutely. I'm really happy to see Ben Mee on there. That makes me happy. I did not see that. Uh, yeah, go bees. Um, but again, no Tony is kind of surprising. Jack Grealish on there, like I, I, sure. I get that. Ollie Watkins, especially with the end of the season. Riyad Mahrez has been good. Darwin nothing, nothing Nunez special. is on it. What? Yeah, he's a nominee for the for the attackers. As is Gabriel Martinelli. That's fair. Martinelli. Martinelli's fair. been better, but it's not like when I think like. The best players, I guess, as a nominee list, it's probably fine. But just, I'm very surprised by some of the players that no. were included. I have no problem with Martinelli. I think he's been great, and his goal involvement has been superb. Sure. Um, <laughs> Darren is is, you know, he's turned it around after yeah. all the critics, but not to the point where he should be on the team right. this season. Yeah. Um, At that point, <laughs> Gopko should be on there. Not Nunez, considering he played half a season and has been better. I mean, That's definitely fair. Uh, Brent, on, on the topic of side topics, hot topic. Um, you, you texted me, I think it was this morning, about what manager is worse. Oh yeah, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. No, is better. Is better. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I mean that's tougher actually. Yeah. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or Frank Lampard. And I think my first reaction was, well, it can't be Frank Lampard because that's exactly what you said. Because you know he's lost his all eight matches he's managed in 2023. And, uh, you know, fired from Everton, fired from Chelsea, brought back to Chelsea, and has not won a game. Has not got a point since being in charge. And got knocked out of the Champions League today. And and I know as a recovering Man United fan, um, you have vivid memories of Ole at the wheel. Sure. Um, Actually, in in the early days of our podcast on the logo, I made your shirt. Yeah, my shirt United. It said, said, you're holding... A United oh. scarf. Your shirt said Ollie, Ollie at, the, at wheel. the wheel. Oh, yeah. look at that. That's fun. I don't um, remember that. He, he crashed. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, that that bus uh, went straight over a cliff. I think my, my question, or rather comment back to you, was just, I feel like we have to look at the managers at the same time. Ollie hasn't been given another chance to do as poorly as Frank Lampard has. And we don't know if he's been offered anything. He could right. just be out of the game. He right. could just be like, I don't want to For coach. sure. You know? But just still, when you look at them as managers, when I think about them, I feel like Frank is probably worse. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough, but I honestly couldn't tell you. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was an awful manager. So I really don't know. It was a good question. I, I didn't ask it. It was I saw it online on the internets. Sure. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's a good side <laughs> the topic internets. as well. Jake, we still have one more segment oh, of our sure, own sure. podcast, Sorry, yeah, do, which I, I, is... The Pirates Code. Parlay. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, distract the listener too much because I know that they're listening to this podcast so that they can make money. That's the only reason. That is the only reason they're listening. We keep them on the edge of their seats so that they make it to the very last (laughs) section of the podcast. And Brent, I'm going to start us right off with uh, your Brentford Bees versus Aston Villa. And this is at, ooh, what is 
Vitality, not Vitality. Uh, that's Bournemouth. G Tech. G Tech. I knew it was a newer name. Yeah. It used to be the Brentford Community. Yeah, Stadium. I know. That's, that's what I was gonna say, but I knew that was Stadium. wrong. Yeah. Um, both teams to score. Um, Villa in flying form, as we touched upon. We just need them to score a goal. Right, and the bees are probably gonna get a penalty. Absolutely. You know, it's just what they do. And you know, Tony's got all the misses out of his system. Yeah, the one it was crazy. I was very yeah. upset about it. But even you know, whatever. Um, we also have Newcastle to beat Tottenham, Jake. Now, we usually don't bet with Tottenham, so we figure... No, we do bet with Tottenham. Well, we do, And we always lose. Right. So now we're betting against we're Tottenham. We're betting against Tottenham. You just want them to win. You want this... Well, see, I think it's a curse. I think I'm, I'm, I'm reverse You're jinxing writing, it. You, you know? are I'm, riding the ship. Yep, nice. <laughs> Pirates. <laughs> Pirates. <laughs> anyway, you combine those together, you get plus 216 odds. This bet brought to you by Jake's Best Bets. Bet now and get $100 in cash from Jake. Is that like a company? Is that a Twitter account? What's Jake's best bets? Just you. <laughs> Just me. But also you do owe I do everybody owe that bets oh $100. Yeah, so send me a screenshot of you <laughs> betting this parlay, Yep. and I may or may not, I won't, send you $100. Can't confirm yet. No, cannot. No, we I can confirm. I, it had... I won't. <laughs> Are you sure? But you can try. Because I was going to bet it. <laughs> it's, I really did this just for me. Brent, send me a screenshot Jake, of your I bet. I really need some cash. <laughs> Can you spot me on? Do you want to talk off podcast about this? No, I'd Are you in trouble? Are you in trouble? Public audience, because I trust our audience because they wear the coziest clothes. Are you perhaps, mayhaps, <laughs> talking about peg legs and eye patches? Yes. Okay. But exclusively when you're wearing pajamas. Perfect. The perfect combination. Because we are the Premier League podcast with the coziest dress code. The dress code is jammies and pirate attire. <laughs> Mix not, and match it. Your non-negotiable. <laughs> has, it has to have pirate attire. Scurvy. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Not with scurvy.